Hey guys, just before we begin this podcast, I would like to tell you about our sponsors, McCann Fitzgerald, who we are incredibly lucky to have as a sponsor, as they are one of the top law firms in the country. One of the things we've noticed about them, after speaking with so many different law firms, is that while clearly being a top-tier firm, they also have a clear human touch to what they do and are very forward-thinking. Partners are very involved with graduates and trainees, which seems to have cultivated this incredible culture for people to stay for a long time because they enjoy it and feel part of the community. So if you're looking for a career in law, definitely check out their career site, as it seems to be a really great place to work. Hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. Welcome back to the Grad Life Podcast. My name is Matthew, and on the show today, I'll be speaking to Rosemary Hennigan, Policy Coordinator at Focus Ireland. After graduating from law in Trinity College Dublin, she has gone on to train as a solicitor and achieve a Fulbright scholarship to pursue an LLM at the University of Pennsylvania. She has since held a number of policy-related roles, and today she gives us her insights on her journey. So hi, Rosemary. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Hi, thanks a million for having me. So I suppose uh, the first thing we'd, we'd like to cover is your time in college and, and starting off uh, studying law. Um, so if you wouldn't mind telling us a bit about how you found studying law and how it might have impacted your, your career thoughts. Yeah, sure. I mean, I didn't I didn't kind of set out with a plan to be a lawyer. I didn't really study law um, and the expectation that that would happen at all. So for me, it was kind of, um, I suppose, a bit of an exploration of kind of furthering my education, but also my interests in general. So I went in as very much a blank slate. Um, I didn't know anything about law. I didn't know anybody in law. It was very much, um, it was one of those things where people say to you, well, you know, if you do English and history or you do English and politics, you're going to end up being a teacher. And I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. So it was very much kind of led by those sort of pressures. Um, and I kind of felt with law, you know, at least it's still very open-ended and, you know, it's still kind of, it has that kind of society and politics end of it as well as just the practice of it. So I kind of felt like if I, if I did a law degree, then that would keep my, all my options open. And in a way, I suppose it did, but obviously, you know, the, the more you go through it, the more you realize that you eventually have to start making choices and you can't just keep your options open forever. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And I suppose I kind of gravitated towards subjects that were more, um, I suppose, broader and philosophical. So I suppose my favorite subject, which is very unusual, um, was jurisprudence. And I think I'm probably one of the very few students who thinks that way about that subject. But um, it probably it's probably shows in my um, career choices since that that's that I'm that way inclined. But I suppose I was just interested in what law is and what it can be, and those kind of meta questions more so than um, the more granular subjects, which are about the the day to day of law, I suppose, and practice. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I uh, I suppose everybody says they're the best four years of your life. Um, I don't know if they're the best, but they were definitely up there. I had a great time, um, and I used the time, I suppose, just to kind of. To indulge a lot of my interests so it's not just about obviously the academic end but also broader things as well and I think that's really important and sometimes like, people kind of say that but I, I do think it's very very important that you use your summers and you're not just entirely focused on career because you know there'll be plenty of time for that as well so you know if you spend some time exploring different paths and they don't go anywhere that's completely fine and actually will stand to you in the long run and um, that definitely was my experience of it anyway. Yeah, that's great. I I, th- I do think you'd be in the minority on on the jurisprudence <laughs> point, but um, it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> I think yeah, that is one of the great things about law is that it is so broad. Um, you kind of touched on something I wanted to ask us about as well. Is is kind of beyond the academic scope while you were in college? Um, what sort of things did you get involved in, and and do you think that kind of shaped your your views as well? And yeah, if you could just tell us a bit about that. Sure. Um. 
like it was a bit of a scattering of things like I think some people are very focused about you know I'm going to get involved in this society and that's going to be it I kind of did a little bit of everything um I suppose towards the end of college I uh, was on the law review and um, I did an internship at the Irish Times and I kind of was looking more on the writing end of it I'd written a couple of pieces for um god one of the student newspapers I can't even remember which one it was now um so it was it was kind of more on the writing end of it and that kind of communicationsy sort of um end of things but it wasn't particularly focused um so I was also I mean I did play tennis a little bit you know I kind of dipped my toe in a lot of things um and that's what I mean about it being a time to kind of try things out and if they don't work out for you that's fine um but I, it was never I mean I never really took a lot of internships or anything like that so it was very unfocused um and you don't get to do that a lot in life so I definitely don't in any way um regret it um it was yeah, it was just kind of, it helped me to kind of narrow down what it is that I'm interested in and, and what my kind of worldview is, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it is really a, a good time for that, I suppose, in college. But then obviously the four years do come to an end and you do then have to sort of look at where you might be going then after. So after you graduated, what kind of, would you mind telling us about the route you took initially and, and how that played out? Sure. Um, I suppose the first thing to say is all of these things happen within a context. And sometimes when you look at somebody's CV, you don't kind of see the context that they're operating in. So nobody kind of makes career choices in a vacuum. So I always like to kind of bring it back to when it was and, and what, what the feel in the country was at the time, because it was it was 2011, um, probably 2010, I suppose, when I first started applying for jobs. And it was just, it was quite a scary time, I think, to be graduating. Um, like there was the public sector uh, recruitment freeze entirely. There were, you know, pay cuts, tax cuts, people were just leaving in their droves. So it, it didn't really feel like a, a time to be still going around, you know, exploring your interests and trying this and then trying that. So it was very much a moment of kind of, I suppose, getting a grip a little bit and saying, right, okay, I have to make, I have to figure out what I'm going to do next. And I really do need to make some um, pragmatic choices. So um, I had done that internship in the Irish Times at the start of fourth year, but it was really coming home from my J1 at the end of third year that I kind of said, I need to figure out what I'm going to do and I suppose I looked at doing masters and didn't go down that route because I didn't see the point really in doing a law masters immediately if, if it wasn't going to lead towards something kind of very focused and I didn't have anything in particular so I was thinking maybe of doing public policy but again I wasn't all that focused on it and I didn't know anybody who'd done it before so I was kind of going well you know is this definitely what I want to do um and I couldn't say that for sure. So it seemed like a huge investment to kind of change slightly from law into public policy straight away without getting some experience. Um, so then I looked at the bar and that just seemed incredibly unrealistic um, financially. And all of that was kind of a huge investment of time. And at that point, there was just no way of knowing that we were going to emerge out of recession um, at any point in the future. So um, so that would kind of quickly went away. So that it left really the law firms, um, which I think is something which a lot of people face. And it, is, it, it isn't always something that sets your world on fire really the prospect of it but it is a very good deal I think if you're interested in getting your um your qualification and kind of figuring out where you want to go after that it's a really good way to spend three or four years it can be a very difficult way to do that if you're not um if you if you don't know for sure you want to be a solicitor and I think there's kind of there's two bunches of people there, there's some people in there who go in and this is definitely what they want to do and they go in with a huge amount of enthusiasm and then there's other people who are like I don't really know but I feel like this will kind of finish off my legal education and it's a good it's a good thing to do and it's a good experience and I was definitely in that kind of ladder camp and um, so I did struggle with it I did find it kind of difficult um, because I knew fairly quickly that it wasn't what I wanted to do so I had to then kind of think about well where am I going to pivot from here and 
what are the options open to me and how do I get from where I am right now to where I want to go? So I think leaving the master's option open was a, was a good idea for me because it meant that when I was leaving the law firm, I decided I was going to take the master's and do that and use that as a kind of a, a jumping off point to do something new. So um, so kind of keeping, I suppose, a lot of the themes of this are me trying to keep my options open, I'm realizing as I'm speaking, but um, to keep some of my options open as I finished and qualified, um, I applied for master's, but I did, I went, I went with the LLM approach, but I did it with it in America with a, with a focus of it is much more around policy, policy and politics. So I kind of thought that made sense because if I was coming home after that and I wasn't able to get a job or I needed to get more experience or I, or I decided I wanted to go back to practice, I, it was still an LLM, it was still very much a master's. So it wasn't too much of a career shift, but if I wanted to use that and if I decided, yes, definitely policy is for me, then I could just kind of, you know, lean on the fact that I had taken a load of policy courses within my LLM. So, um, so that worked out really well. And um, I think it was, you know, it was definitely like when I look back now, I, I'm really glad that I did it. I'm really glad that I had that qualification and all of the experience I had was tremendous. Like it's incredible training, um, but it is really hard work and it's very difficult at 2 a.m. to be sitting there doing a job you're not invested in. So um, so I know people kind of ask me a lot, you know, would you recommend it? And I mean, I, I would and I wouldn't. It's it's a very it's a good option. Um, it, it's not for everyone, but if you can get through it and if you're if you're not sure what you want to do, I think it's a very good next step. Um, but equally, if it's not for you, that's also fine because um, it is for a lot of people. Like a lot of people, I sometimes when I speak about it, I think it sounds, I make it sound as if it's awful. It's not. Like I have loads of friends who are very, very happy as solicitors. It's just that it's not for everyone. And I think there is a kind of a, sometimes there's a sense of a default where, you know, you graduate and the next thing is to go into one of the firms. And that's just not true at all. So there are plenty of other options out there. Yeah, no, it's great you touched on that. I think because that's really something that we're trying to show with with the podcast is that there there are there are more options uh, other than just going straight into corporate law, which I think is something a lot of students are just like they're only exposed to the corporate law firms in college, and that's kind of just a direct path they take. You mentioned your uh, LLM there in in, in uh, America, and I think that's something that's really interesting to talk about. Um, and I suppose, would you mind going into a bit more detail on like even just the um, the process of how you went about kind of deciding on where you went and on and, and, and what you do there? And, and then I suppose just a broader uh, about kind of how the process worked and how, how you found studying in, in America. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think the first thing I did was um, I looked up the kind of courses that were available um, and what each university was kind of known for or particularly um, good at, I suppose. So it was kind of led by my interests. And at that stage, I was very interested in kind of public law and regulatory law because I've been practicing in that and I was interested in that in college as well. So it was kind of more on the, um, the, the intersection, I suppose, between kind of law and um, politics. So it's more on the policy end of it. And, um, and the university I ended up going to is, was, is very well known for that. So one of the things they had was um, an externship opportunity to um, to work in Congress in the U.S. Now, it turned out I wasn't able to do that as an LLM student, which I only realized when I got there. So I would say maybe double check those kind of things, because sometimes there there is fine print. Um, But I still had a great a great time. But I think it was probably those kind of opportunities which kind of made me made me choose it. And then there are the other kind of more pragmatic um, things that you look for, which is things like, you know, um, funding, because obviously a master's in the U.S. is hugely expensive. So. you have to kind of, I suppose, consider those things. And there are loads and loads and loads of funding opportunities over there. There's loads of scholarships. You can also, after you get in, you can also kind of ask them, essentially ask them for, for um, 
a discount on the fees uh, for want of a better term, which I I had to be told about and then really encouraged to uh, negotiate down. So I was kind of going, but you can't. But it's you know Americans have a very different approach to these things, and it's not at all impolite to say actually can you knock off 10 grand? Sometimes they'll say yes, sometimes they'll say no, but it's definitely worth trying. So that was a bit of an eye-opener, that whole process of negotiation. I kind of would have assumed that it was just, you know, this is the price, like, you know, we're not going to enter into that, but they did. So um, so I suppose it kind of led from there. And then I had applied for a Fulbright scholarship, um, which, which I, I ended up getting, but that was linked to the university that I ended up in. So you have to kind of apply for the University of Pennsylvania and then at the same time I was applying for this special award kind of within Fulbright which would have paid for um, a lot of the fees to go there. So that kind of um, led me towards having to um, consider kind of a thesis topic basically and a statement of purpose which is like a reason why I wanted to go there and I had chosen tribunals just because it was part of the, the work that I've been doing um, recently in the law firm and it was kind of around uh, parliamentary committees and tribunals and congressional committees as well and how those kind of operate and to do kind of a comparison comparative research between Ireland and and the US on that um, so that was kind of my that was the basis of my application that was the basis of my interest in going to to UPenn and there were a couple of kind of experts who I could study under there um, and then the process is just it's it's relatively you know it's like any any of these kind of things there's a an application you have to fill out there's I suppose, I suppose the key to that, you know, some of it is just having your um, your qualifications and showing, you know, your your academic ability and then all of your extracurriculars and, you know, your reason there. But I think the most important thing when you're applying for these things is to show them there's a specific reason why I'm applying to this university. I want to study with this particular person. And the, the piece of academic research that I'm interested in is this. And if I go somewhere else, it won't be as good. I really want to go here. And you really want me for that reason. And I think sometimes that isn't something that always comes across or you're not always aware that that you're selling yourself and you're also you're letting them know that you really want to be there but that's the most important thing I think it really makes it an application stand out because you know even just from from hiring people in jobs since it's people always stand out when you feel no they, they definitely want to come here this is something that they're really interested in and it's going to be great to work with them because they're enthusiastic about it so um, that's not, without getting into like the nitty gritty of the applications, I think that's the most important thing to focus on really is to show you're kind of, you're very serious about the, the piece of work that you want to do there and that their, their university is kind of more important or, or better for you or a better fit for you than any others. Yeah, that's a really interesting insight. And I think it's something that uh, people might necessarily always think about when, when they're making these applications. So yeah, thank you for that. Um, I suppose I'd ask then, after you finished finished the, the LLM, what came next for you then, and 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 where where did that take you? Yeah, so it was. Um, I suppose I had really decided that I wanted to get into policy in Ireland. Um, I was very interested. It was partly it was twenty sixteen in America, so you know it was just politics all of the time. Um, Trump had just been elected, and it, I had seen the impact on people because a lot of my classmates would have wanted to go and work for the. the and um, the Justice Department or, you know, uh, basically within within the kind of administrative state in the US. And then they were looking at it and going, well, for the next four, four years, it's going to be a Republican. So there were those kind of real world um, impacts on people. And it made me kind of think about, well, when I'm going back to, to Ireland, what is it that I'm going back to? And how do I want to kind of, I suppose, make a difference? Um, <laughs> which is one of those cliches, but it is probably true. And I felt like policy was where I could be of, of, of particular um 
use, I suppose, um, in terms of kind of a public service ethic, which I would have generally. Um, so I was looking at my, I was kind of looking at jobs that I'd be interested in. And I was thinking about the gaps, which I had kind of coming just from law and trying to get into policy. And one of those was around kind of media and communications experience, um, all of which are relatively limited. So I thought I would get a job in public affairs because um, that's the kind of thing that they do. So I kind of felt like it was a good bridge between the legal world and, and you know, the policy elements of that. And then the kind of more political world, which in Ireland is very much bound up in, um, in the media in newspapers and radio and broadcast, all of that kind of stuff. So you kind of have to know how it works. You have to know, you know, how, how it operates, I suppose, because you're always trying to kind of influence media in order to influence um, policies and politi politicians uh, ultimately. So I, had a, I took a job with um, PR 360, which is I think now called 360. Um, and I was on their public affairs team. So and that was it was really interesting. I mean, day one, they asked me to draft a press release and I literally was Googling on my phone what is a press release so it was like and it's funny to be you know back at that stage when I was I think 28 by that stage so I've been out and working you know and I, I kind of realized then I was like oh right this is a completely different field and I don't know what I'm talking about so it was very um it was very much kind of starting from scratch in that way but you learn very fast and it was it was brilliant in terms of teaching me that kind of you know realness that I think you don't really get from outside of it it's only when you're really in it that you realize okay this is how you you know this is how you influence these things this is how you speak to the right people this is how you get things done essentially um so I learned a huge amount in that year and then from there I moved into what I really I suppose wanted to do which was more on the civil society end of things cool and so then in that civil society uh, end of things like what what where did that take you and what did you do next yeah, so I applied for a job as policy and advocacy officer with the Irish Refugee Council, um, and I was there for nearly two years, I think. Um, and it was, again, another kind of, for me, it was it, in some ways, it's just one more step, but it was, again, kind of a new, um, a totally different sector and a new kind of world to get used to. Um, and again, it was very much, you know, there's a lot of work to be done, so you need to kind of uh, step up quite quickly. So the summer that I um, began at the Irish Refugee Council, um, we were just about to adopt a new regulation, which was a new, for the first time, basically putting the direct provision system um, on, on some form of a legal footing. So it was, there was kind of, you know, a, a very kind of immediate amount of work to be done. And, um, and it was great because it kind of drew very much on my previous experience and it drew very much on kind of policy and law, which is exactly what I wanted to be doing. So, um, so that was fantastic and I really, really enjoyed that work, but, you know, it's also very difficult work, obviously, um, and while I did feel like we, we moved things on, there was also that kind of sense of just how difficult it can be to, um, especially for vulnerable groups or marginalised and disadvantaged groups to kind of get um, any kind of voice in the political process. So it was, um, it was, it was great work, it was hugely interesting. And hopefully um, it kind of moved things on a little bit to kind of you know, draw on the reception conditions directive and really try and, and hold the government to, to the laws that it had already enacted itself. Um, but it also showed you know, the weaknesses of, of certain things. So the limit, I suppose, of public interest litigation, for example. So in that sense, it, it was still drawing very much on my legal background, but it was, um, it was using it in a new way. So I suppose because the, the Supreme Court had recently um, had recently struck down um, the, at the absolute ban on asylum seekers working, there, there was 
you know, that that's kind of one thing that's, you know, one big day where you get this kind of result and that's great. But then there's a huge amount of work that goes into it on the policy side to say, well, okay, now the absolute ban is gone, but what do we do next? And what are the parameters and what are the rules and what are the processes and how do we kind of make this change real? And um, in that way, it was really, it was fantastic because it was exactly what I had hoped to be doing. And I was really, really pleased to have, um, to have been involved in that. Um, so it was great, but there were, I suppose there were limitations on the job, um, mainly just the, the policy landscape. And a huge part of that was the housing crisis. So a lot of my job, I kind of was expecting that it would be more about, you know, the crisis in the Mediterranean or the asylum process. And oftentimes it kind of would lead me away from that and more towards the really just homelessness. Again, it just, it kept coming up where people were, um, direct provision centers were full and people were being kind of given hotel rooms essentially in the middle of nowhere and not given you know their basic immigration cards so they were there was no record of them being legally in Ireland and they had no English language and we were you know there were times when we were driving up to hotels and B&Bs or just you know a room at the top of a, of a pub in Cavan or Monaghan and finding people who had absolutely no English and no idea what they were doing there or what they were supposed to do to try and get you know their really basic um basic rights like there's you know their PPS numbers so they could claim even just the direct provision allowance you know it was just it was a huge huge mess and I think um at that level there's kind of a kind of a semi-lawlessness to some of these things so it can be really really helpful to um to have that legal background but there is a huge need and there aren't there isn't nearly enough people doing it unfortunately and some of that is about funding and some of it is about kind of just I think people really knowing that there are things that can be done there as well um, again, like, you know, you mentioned it yourself, but I think sometimes law students don't always, because the corporate law thing is just such an obvious path that law students don't always see how they might get into that kind of a job instead. And there is no straight, straight path the way there are in, in other kind of career paths. So it's kind of, it can be difficult to say to people, this is something that you can do. Um, but I really wish more law students would do it because there's, there's a huge need there and it'd be great to see, to see more of us. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think so. I completely agree on that. Um, and I suppose, um, would you mind kind of telling us a bit then about kind of like what the actual work was you were doing on, on kind of the day to day basis? Like, I think you touched on really well kind of the, the general sort of scope of it. Um, but in terms of like the actual tasks you did and like what the what the work was like uh, for you anyway. Yeah, so it changes a lot. I mean, in the moment I'm in Focus Ireland, um, so it's similar kind of work, but it's more, uh, obviously it's, it's homelessness now. Um, but the job in policy is, um, it changes all the time. So if you're someone who likes variety, it's perfect for you because there are literally no two days which are alike. Um, and I love that. Um, so a lot of it is, on the one hand, it'll be, there's internal kind of work that you'll do. So it'll be um, kind of assistance to say frontline staff who are working directly with um, clients. So in the in the Irish Refugee Council, it would have been, you know, people coming in who were either represented by the law centre or were looking for advice on their on, you know, their basic their basic rights and entitlements. And if there were policy issues which were coming up. So for example, if they were just if there was a series of instances where people weren't getting their um, IRP cards, which is their um, their residence cards, then they weren't able to get access to their direct provision allowance, at which point they had absolutely no um, no funding or, or money at all. So if that was kind of happening a lot, you'd start to kind of identify a trend and then it would be up to me to kind of raise that at a higher level. So um, I would have to kind of go and talk, identify the right decision maker and then talk to them about this and try and kind of work towards solutions. So it's, it's all about kind of looking at systems and how they're operating and 
in that kind of quasi legal way where it's often a circular or um, a departmental decision. So it's all kind of more bound up in the administrative state than in anything else. So you might have to go and kind of um, talk to somebody in the department, the, the assistant general secretary, maybe a principal officer and say, look, this is, this is a, syst a systemic problem that's happening and we need to kind of find a solution for it. So that's kind of on the one end of the kind of work that we'd be doing. And that's much more kind of, um, I suppose, related to the front line and kind of specific individual cases. And then you kind of raise them up and kind of look at the systemic issues. But then on the other side, you have um, things like um, Eroctus committee meetings. Um, so appearances before various committees where you're, um, you're kind of giving testimony around a particular issue. So um, a recent one we did was on the right to housing with um, Home for Good and, and Focus Ireland with the Housing Commission. So, sorry, Housing Committee, Housing Commission is a separate thing. Um, so you're, so, you know, and then I would be meeting with opposition um, TDs and meeting with the minister regularly enough around um, various issues coming up. So it's, it's kind of being the bridge between um, policymakers and politicians and what's happening on the ground. So civil society in that way would represent um, groups that usually wouldn't really have a voice otherwise and you basically take any opportunity you can so it'll be submissions on various issues it'll be um, informal meetings much more formal meetings hearings testimonies um, sometimes you'll be kind of involved in the UN um, um, which you call them committee kind of observations and that kind of those kind of submissions as well so it's not just kind of local sometimes it's European sometimes it's international but it really does change a lot um, so I could go on forever about the kind of work we do, but I feel like this would be make for a very boring podcast. Um, I suppose on, on the other side of it, there's a lot of work that we do as with um, coalitions as well. So kind of coalition building and building kind of a sectoral um, consensus around certain issues. So for example, with the right to housing, we're working together with a lot of other homeless organizations um, and other civil society groups as well to try and make sure that referendum happens. And all of that takes um, a huge amount of time and kind of, um, yeah, just work, I suppose, to bring everybody onto the same page and kind of get to that stage where you're influencing those kind of big decisions. So um, it's really interesting work. I'm not sure if I do a very good job of, sell of selling it, but it really does change day to day. There's no two days which are alike. And that's something which I love very much. Um, and I wouldn't change for the world, really. Yeah, yeah no, it, it really does sound very interesting and engaging. And I think um, you can really see how kind of studying law while uh, not immediately obvious you can see how that would help in in that field and in, in working in policy I think um, there's a lot of kind of transferable skills from from having that legal background and um, I suppose then touching on on the background like as we're kind of drawing to a close here would you have any advice that you would give to yourself if you were talking to your college self now and uh, knowing what you do know now um, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I was very, very cautious starting out. I'm still very cautious by nature. So everything is always kind of, you know, a very safe step. But I think definitely taking a couple more risks um, because I was always afraid that, you know, this guy was going to fall in on top of me if I made a wrong decision. And there, there really aren't wrong decisions like that. You just pivot, basically. Um, so it's all it's so I think it's about, you know, relaxing and enjoying the, the journey which people always say and you can go yeah right whatever but it, it is actually true because there's really no destination that you're getting to you know like as soon as you get somewhere you think well this is what I want to do and then you think well what am I going to do next you know so you never really feel like you're on solid ground that way and I think when I was younger I did think that you know oh by 30 I'll be doing x y and z and then I'll be a totally different person not true at all <laughs> you're exactly the same like in my head I'm still 22 probably always will be which um I used to laugh at my dad for saying that and now I'm like oh right I get it 
Um, so I think it's just, yeah, just being a little bit easier on yourself and not being quite so afraid. Um, really, like, I think all of us are much more resilient and adaptable than we realize. Yeah, I think that I think that's really good advice. Uh, certainly, a lot of law students could do with being told that um, from time to time. Um, and then finally, as as is kind of tradition on, on the Grad Life podcast, we like to ask our, our guests uh, if they have any book recommendations. Um, so, if you if you'd have anything you'd recommend to our to our listeners. Yeah, um, I'm really glad that was a tradition. It's a great tradition. Um, I would definitely recommend Hilary Mantel's Walpole, um, and actually all, the whole trilogy. It's brilliant. But um, Wolf, so it's kind of three books. The first one is Wolf Hall, and then the second one is Bring Up the Bodies. And Bring Up the Bodies is by far the best. But um, so I suppose Bring Up the Bodies would be my my top tip. But don't read it until you read uh, Wolf Hall. It is it's brilliant. I mean, it, it's the, the writing is incredible. But I think as well for um, I'm not sure if this podcast is just for law students, but particularly for law students, um, her Hilary Mantel's meditations on on the law and on lawyers is just fantastic. So if you, if you have any interest along those lines, I think you'll you'll really love it. That's brilliant. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people will be interesting to, to give those a go. Okay, so uh, that's perfect then. Thank you very much, uh, Rosemary, for coming on to the show. Thanks a million. Great. Thanks a million.